Hello everybody and welcome to This Game Where with me, Ashley, and... Me, Chris. Was that like a musical intro? You had a bit of a, a rhythm to that. Did I? Yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to... Well, I'll, I'll work on one. Yeah. On like a jazzy showstopper. Like a Hamilton version. Everyone loves Hamilton. Let's do a version like that. I do like Hamilton. I think it's a very good show. I've never watched it. don't know anything about it. I just, oh, I just know, it's really the, good. I know it's the toast of the town. Mm, has been for a while, hasn't it, though? Um, anyway, I'm going to just jump in straight, straight away. In. Right. Yeah, jumping in straight away. We've done our Hamilton material. We're, we're getting on with things. Just <laughs> keep it clipping forward. Keep it clipping forward. So this week, we have got this game where you take on the role of a world leader tasked with steering their country through multiple epochs, starting in prehistory and moving all the way into the future. Civilization? Oh, yeah. Right. But not civilization. Civilization 6, which is sort of important because this is actually, this is, you know, our uh, lockdown episodes where we did just a straight chat. We're not actually yeah. going to play Civ today. We're going to just do a straight chat about Civilization 6. I'm going to tell you why... I like to play it and why I think you should play it too. Although I know actually going from from right now, I know full well that this isn't your cup of tea. Have you seen my glazed expression already? Yes. Well, I don't even need to. I knew in preparing this, I basically knew that I wasn't talking to you. I was okay. talking to the audience by proxy. Should I just, should I just check out? Should I even just stay silent? This yeah, would be like go, a, 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 I'll tell a, you, a, you a one-man show. Just mo- you sign up. I mean, monologue. It, 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 I do do that all too often. I do feel like I waffle... No, but this this could be the first episode where it's just you talking. It's just me. Yeah. Oh, that sounds. I don't. I don't like the feel of that. I don't like right. the sound of being alone. Should I chip in every t- every so often with like a uh huh or all right? Well, that is what you're going to do, isn't it? How about you try and be a little bit more lively, <laughs> all a right. bit more engaged? How I'll about? Try, I'll, I'll try tell you my what. Best. Like, I can't I'll tell you what. Chris, how about you? You keep your mind open to new possibilities, and maybe you will learn something about yourself <laughs> and about the world. And that will be that Civilization Six is actually really good and you like it and you're going to buy it on the Switch. Okay, tell you what, let's give it a go and let's touch base again at the end of the episode and see where we are there. So, Does that mean you're going to make a cup of tea? Because that sounds like you are actually going to fuck off and leave me on my own to talk. So I've never played a Civilization game. So can you explain to me and for the benefit of the listener what the ruddy heck Civilization is? It's a turn-based strategy game made by Fire Axis Games, which maybe won't mean much to you. Not at uh, all. But don't worry, they primarily made this. The series was originated by Sid Meier, which okay, should mean yeah. something to you. So Where that, that two. should, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So this was this was originated by Sid Meier as a as a concept, and I can't remember when he dipped out of it, but I'm pretty sure it was still Sid Meier's Civilization Four when that came out. I'm not sure if this bears his moniker anymore. When did the first game in the series come out? Man, you're asking me questions that I just don't know the answer to. So quit it. Because this is quit a, it. This series has been around a long time. I'm I'm gonna put my head in the line and say late eighties. I reckon it was late eighties, early nineties, and yeah. I'll check at some point in the episode when I when I get a moment. This game might also be known to some people as a four X game, aside from being a turn based strategy. Four X meaning explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. Okay, and that actually is this game in a nutshell. This is that is they are the things that you can do in this game. You can explore, you can expand, you can exploit. Uh, different resources and, and other civilizations and you do for the most part exterminate or in or take part in the extermination of other 
cities and and civilizations as a whole. So, I mean, those four words, they should conjure up some level of understanding of what the game entails. You are a leader of a civilization who's tasked with keeping that civilization going and also keeping other civilizations in check. Yeah. Okay. So are you with me so far then? Yes, completely. And also 1991. 91. Brilliant. Thank you for checking that. Great. That makes a lot of sense, actually. The first version that I played, I think, was Civilization 2, and that was late 90s, and I wouldn't have had it when it came out. The game consists of several systems, in fact, lots more than several systems, all of which interlink, uh, interlock, and that all have to be managed simultaneously to progress in the game. Okay. At the same time, you can put more resources, more thinking, more time into nurturing one of the systems above and beyond all the others. And actually, there is a benefit to that because this game has lots of win states. Okay, so, you well, not lots, has several win states. There are several ways that you can win, several routes you can take to, to a victory. To give you an idea, you can win by domination. So you can have a domination victory. What do you think a domination victory might entail? I'm assuming it's going to be a bit like a game of risk and taking over the majority of the map brilliant yeah so that's exactly what it is so you would use you would build a war machine you would turn your civilization into a weapon of war and you would take over all of the civilizations on the map and if you can take over or wipe out in one way or another every civilization on the map then you will get a domination victory so i'll just okay, say so it's basically military conquest so i'll just say at this point that i find risk utterly tedious and cannot stand it this is the thing it's not you've said risk and i've just let that go but it's not really like risk. <laughs> so it's it's an, anal- an analogy that is flawed. That is fine. It does its job. It works enough. It's giving you something to, to sort latch. of reference that yeah, exactly that Good. you can that you can hang some understanding on. But in reality, it's not quite as it's it's not risk. Good. Okay. But but in terms of domination victory, military victory, kind of like risk. Uh, you can also have a cultural victory. So how might you go about getting a cultural victory? Knowing very little about the game, how might you go about a cultural victory? Building museums, cinemas and jazz clubs. Yes, that's exactly how you do it, pretty much. So I have mentioned off mic that you build, in this game, you build cities. So the the beginning of the game, you start off, you build a city, and that's basically the first thing you do. You choose where to do it, where to put it, whether it's next to a river so that you've got fresh water, or next to a a coast so that you can later on build a port or something and, and... sort of create ships and whatnot um you you set up your city and then as part of that later as the city progresses and you get more capable you can set up districts and one of the districts you can set up is a cultural district which then allows you to build a museum and an art gallery and a theater and so on and so forth now that sounds to fun to the culture of your city yeah yeah i've been to that okay cool right so hang hang on to that as well a cultural victory to flesh that out a little bit more a cultural victory actually is i'd say it's about building a travel and tourism empire okay so you you set up your cities because you can have multiple cities as you get through the game you you set up your cities in such a way that they can house works of art that might be paintings that might be writing that might be sculpture and so on a gummy venus de milo exactly yeah if you're into that kind of sweet thing then yes so they're all cultural things that you can that you can get somehow which we'll go into later if I can, if I get a chance. So you can get somehow and put into your museums. And then that actually brings from other civilizations, that brings tourists mm-hmm. from other civilizations. And if you can become culturally dominant, if you can have all of the tourists coming to your city, taking your culture back to their city and spreading your culture around in their civilization, that's how you get a cultural victory. Okay. 
like Stockport. I have not a clue what you're talking about. Does Stockport do a lot of cultural export? Probably. I, I don't know. It's just a random city that pops into mind. I mean, I, I live in England and I'm vaguely familiar with Stockport in so much as I know that it's a city in this country. So no, I, was, I was being I'm flippant. Sure it's doing... I have no idea about anything to do with Stockport, but it's probably fine. But More yeah. like Hull, I would say. Shout out to city all the Stockport listeners. Yeah, yeah, hold true. Hmm. That would be a better reference. Actually, that's that's a really good that's a really good way of thinking about this. So you're basically just just trying to make lots and lots of cities of culture, and that's how you get a cultural victory. Uh, you can have a science victory. Any ideas how you might do that? Be science good. <laughs> good idea. Yeah. So creating a, a society that is driven by scientific advance. So part so is of this the game. So is it presumably influenced by the, the Renaissance people like you know, Da Vinci and Michelangelo, etc.? So they do come into it, yeah, in a slightly different way to the way that you're probably thinking. But part of the game that we haven't touched on yet is is something called the tech tree. So you can you start off in the prehistoric period, men with clubs, cavemen basically, and everything's very antiquated, very basic. And then if you look on the tech tree, you can research technology that allowed actual real life advances. So one of the technologies that you can study, research at, at some point in the game is the wheel. And as soon as you create the wheel, you actually can, instead of just having men with clubs ranging around acting as your soldiers, you can create chariots. Then later on, a very long way down the line, you might research guns or gunpowder or something like that, can which you make, then allows you to have military. Can you make, at that point in the game, the Neanderthal time, can you make the Flintstones car? Again, it's something that I think that was overlooked slightly by the developers, because no, you, uh, you can't do that, I'm afraid. I'm sorry to disappoint you. When you this whole game's a disappointment to you. So when you really, mentioned wheel, that was the first place my mind went to, which I think says quite a lot about me. Which, interestingly, it doesn't have wheels, it has rollers. Oh, yeah. And that the yeah. the little garbage creature, remember? And it's powered by your feet. Eighth garbage, remember that? No, I don't remember that. I don't want to. I didn't really care for the Flintstones. Oh. Um, so science victories. If you can, if you can do your research better and quicker than everybody else, then you can get to a point where you are launching rockets to the moon and there are a series of things that you have to do in order to get a science victory it's things like getting a rocket into space landing on the moon setting up a space base on mars putting a satellite into space if you can meet all of the criteria in that late stage of technology then you get a you can you can get a science victory and you're racing against other people so it's like a big old space race i know we've still got one more victory to cover just focus on that science victory you're Taking civilization from being from the Stone Age through to having yep. a base on Mars. In yep. terms of gameplay, how many hours is that? Yep, so that's a good question. Um, the last time I played this, and it was fairly recently, which is why we're playing, we're talking about it. The last time I played this, the game that I played, I did do all of that, and it took me about twenty-five hours. Oh, okay. I was expecting a lot more than that. That's something we'll talk about. We'll pick up on that again. So don't let me forget. Pin in that. The last one is a religious victory, which I I don't remember this being in the in the games prior to this so this might be new to civilization six a religious victory requires that you set you found your own church like the state founds its own church i've said that you can spread the good word across every continent it depends on what the good word is Mm. as to what you're saying so in mine i the church that i founded was islam so whenever i was taking my religion around to other people i was spreading the word of islam i'm glad you clarified that because when you say church i was i was gonna little worried this was christian centric but that's reassuring that it's yeah it's it's, it's church um, with it's a multi, small c yeah it's multi um multi faith yeah it's multi faith you have access to a plethora of different religions that you can found and depending on who's got there first 
uh, will dictate what options you have. So if you if you're the fifth person to found a religion, then you will have four of the religions will already be taken, and so you will only have a certain smaller selection to go from. It does have Catholicism in there, I think, and it has Sikhism, uh, Hinduism's in there. I think Taoism and Buddhism they're in there, right? And uh, Islam is in there, and possibly some more, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So yeah, you you have you to do that you create missionaries and then you can send missionaries on religious missions as, as you can imagine yeah and you go and convert the citizens of different cities to your religion people get quite mad when you do that for some reason <laughs> do you go knocking door to door and trying to yeah spread like, the hello word? my name is father jones <laughs> In that voice. Do you know? Yeah. Do you, people... are, you haven't seen the Book of Mormon, have you? I have. I didn't care for it. Oh, right. Well, I just was singing it to you and you didn't notice. No. And when people in the game go door to door, do people in the game hide behind their sofa or in the downstairs toilet pretend they're not in? I've never experienced that personally. I always found it quite easy to, to turn people. To convert people. So I'm guessing a religious victory is that you turn most of the map into the religion that you started. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, and that is actually quite a difficult task. So mm, um, that, that's the backdrop of of the ways that you win this game. So just clarify then. So the, the victories are, so it's war, culture, science, or religion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're the ways that you win. As I said, you can plough all of your effort into one or the other, or you can spread it across all four and try and keep up with all of them. That would be very difficult. Generally, you're, you're sort of inclined towards one or the other. So how do you play it? Thank you for asking. Thank you for taking an interest. I really appreciate it. Welks. Generally, I always try to go for a culture victory in civilization and fail miserably and then end up <laughs> just trying to destroy everybody in a rage because do doing I, like... I wasn't very cultured. Do you end up doing like outdoor theatre in market towns where no one's interested? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Yeah. That's basically the level of my culture in these games uh, normally. And then I get so enraged about it that I start was. <laughs> so. That's, that's what happens. Why um, aren't you more cultured? Yeah, exactly. Why don't you like my work? <laughs> yeah, to go on top of those. So th that is the basic gist of how you win. In order to facilitate hitting the marks that you need to hit for, the, for all of those things, you have to found cities and you can found multiple cities. And each of those cities is basically like an engine to create civic points or research points or also to create uh, production points. And so the, the tech tree is advanced by research points so if you've got two cities and each of those cities is producing 10 research points per turn every turn you get 20 research points total and researching the wheel to its full extent might cost 200 points total which means that over 10 turns you will research the wheel Does to its full extent you mean like it's it's more rounded than a deck again well you start off you start off researching the wheel and maybe that's an idea a theoretical idea oh this uh, this shape might be. I mean, I I am I'm putting in concrete terms what is an abstract notion in the game, but I'm doing it for you. The first turn that you start researching the wheel, you might have the abstract concept. You might have the concept of a wheel. This might work. I if I'm thinking this might work. What do you think, Jeff? Is this going to work? Ugh, yes, it's going to work. And it's the application of that beyond you know what you can do with it. Uh, exactly, yeah. But right, okay. it's really the game boils it down. The game boils it down to points that go towards the research. The, you don't need to think any more concrete than that. Okay, it's just points Sorry, that go I'm, into it. And I'm then a bit once, too a bit too literal, aren't I? Yeah, you are being very literal. So once once you fulfil the number of points, the points remit for each piece of technology, that then unlocks other things. So I said about chariot riders unlocked by the wheel, and that is actually one of them. If you research gunpowder, that means that all of your military units that normally use bows and arrows might start using guns. Mm -hmm. So there's a progression as well from prehistory stuff all the way up to 
advanced future tech. Okay. So yeah, your cities are these engines that accrue these points in various ways. And they go into your tech, they go into your civics, which which leads to more cultural uh, stuff. And you also have, you have points for all sorts. And I'm not going to spend too much time going into breaking down what these points are for. One of the things that you do have them for, though, is production. So each city is capable of producing to a certain level. Uh, to varying levels in fact so say london i've founded london and i founded lincoln those are two of my cities one is able to produce at a level of 18 points per turn and the other one is able to produce at 25 points per turn right and you can choose to produce lots of different things so you might produce a builder who can uh, improve things around your city by building roads or by building plantations like banana plantations or something like that or you could build military units or you could build buildings that actually go into your city and improve the state of your city as well and each of those costs points a, a certain number of production points so if you're producing 18 in london and 25 in lincoln things that cost the same amount of production points will be built faster in lincoln does that make sense? Yeah. So if you were really desperate to get hold of an archer, you would probably try and build it in Lincoln because it's going to be produced faster. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. So you have military units and then you have all the other units. So you might have fishing vessels that you go out, you send out to sea to grab fish and that then helps you to grow your, your cities and, and produce more civilians who then can produce more production points, who can then produce more productions which then feeds into making more production points and so on. That makes sense as yep. well. That's how you grow. Brilliant. So we're we're kind of doing okay, I think. I hope I hope that this is I hope this is good. Is this a good podcast? <laughs> what do you mean? Is this a good podcast? I'm basically telling everybody how this game works. Well, you're telling me how this game works because there's no point you plowing forward without me understanding the basics of the game. I know. I mean, this is the basics, and there's quite a lot to go through. Oh, um, well, I've done. I've done basic the basic amount. So, if I asked you to sum up how the game works, what would you say? Uh, building and all that. Yeah, basically, I can see you're engaging with this. Thank you so much. That is the nuts and bolts of it. Basically, you're building cities. The cities produce points of various different types, and those points go into progressing different meters that then allow you to build other things that are more advanced and so on and so forth yep. you use those with to you. compete with other civilizations on four fronts domination culture science and religion if you can outcompete them on one single track one one of those single tracks then you will win the game okay however they are always competing on a more or less equal footing to you so uh, one of them might be plowing all of their effort into culture while you're trying to take a science victory okay which means that they're going to get all of they're going to get to they're going to read the benefits of that before yeah they're going to get to their cultural victory before you get to your science victory which means that you might try and take things into your own hands to to manipulate the way thing the way history will turn out for your own betterment and that's actually where the game gets interesting because i've talked to you before about emergent gameplay and emergent Mm -hmm storytelling and this is where this is what civilization 6 is so good at and why i like it so much because out of these quite well seemingly on the surface complex systems come choices that you have to make and stories from the different conflicts that arise between your civilization and the civilizations around the world it's that element of the game that i find interesting the emergent storytelling that comes out of it so okay. um, to give you an idea of how these things work in practice so they all say they all i'm worried because i've done 30 minutes of trying to explain to you the basics, <laughs> the basics. Of the game. and and it can be it can sound quite dry so everyone will have turned off before i actually get into what's interesting about the game which is this so all of those things all of those drives that you have are also shared by the other players and even if we're, even when you're playing against computers it it 
results in choices having to be made by you as a player or by them to try and eke out a victory even when it looks like you're going to lose okay so to give you an example of how that works in real life i'm going to talk you through what happened in my last game which was that 25 hour marathon so i started off i was just i was i was very interested in doing a cultural victory and i was set on that for about five turns which is not very long at all because what happened was i i set down a second city and egypt decided that they didn't really like that because it was too close to them and they started a war on me how dare they i know i thought it was extremely rude so i then entered a war against my own will let me just point out i entered a war with egypt and egypt got soundly beaten but then that meant that my cultural victory was slightly behind and greece who were my next door neighbors on the world map Greece were also seemingly interested in building up their culture and they were way ahead of me by about five or six hours in. So what I figured that I had was some choices to make. Greece were outstripping me in terms of culture. So my choices were I could abandon my cultural victory that I was aiming for and try and go for something else and see if I could beat them. But I was way behind their cultural victory everywhere else. So I wasn't that wasn't likely to happen. So my other choice was I could send spies to Greece Ah. and try and steal all of their stuff out of their museums Um, and I thought that was quite a good idea (laughs) so I did that and I was stealing their stuff and it was going quite well but it wasn't slowing them down and it wasn't speeding me up in terms of accruing culture what were the spies actually doing then well they were so you can send spies into different cities and if the city has got a museum you can instruct your spies to steal things out of the museum and and secrete them to you so your uh, spies so were doing that. Store them in your museum. So your spies were doing that just not well enough. Yeah, they weren't doing it quick enough. Uh, basically, it's what the British Empire did: just steal the culture of everybody else and put it in the British Museum. That is how spies operate in this game. I don't see what your problem is with that. Right. Well, that's because you're you're pomp, but we won't go into that. That was irony, just to make that okay. clear. And and let me make it clear: I don't believe him. But let's move on. Um, <laughs> Cheeky sausage. Yeah. So yeah, they weren't doing it fast enough. So it really left me with only one option. And the option was because I wasn't able to create enough poems or plays or sculptures or nice things for people to look at when they come to visit my my civilization. The option was to declare an all out war on Greece and destroy their civilization entirely. It's the only answer. Exactly. Yeah. If you can't write good plays, start a war. That's how you set your that's how you set your stall in history. So I started a war. I gave them a sound thrashing and I, I stole all of their stuff like up front I just I occupied their cities I ransacked their museums I took it all back to my home cities and then I sued for peace having left them with just one city of their own I sued for peace I took all of their cities bar one all of their cultural items artifacts and left them with just a single city of their own what a rush I imagine that was yep I was then up right right bashed up against the border of the usa it's not a it's not a very realistic map so don't hold that against it but i was shoulder to shoulder with the usa and they were good friends with greece before i basically decimated the whole of greece so the the usa didn't like that i did that and they they had a very unhappy face every time they came to see me right so they then were a bit antagonistic so what i decided to do and and they also didn't like that i was right next to them anymore uh, at this point so what i did was wage a tiny little war with the usa take over a couple of their cities just to just, just to sh- show dominance yeah and then sue for peace get a peace and then do it again 
just <laughs> on a on a cycle just every every so often i'd start a war and then stop a war and that seemed to keep them in their box but it made everyone else a bit uneasy and unhappy so um the brazil brazil was a bit on edge oh, brazil waited um, in yeah norway they were they were my friends and then when i started fighting a war with the usa on and off over the centuries uh, they started to think that maybe they didn't want to be my friend anymore um so then they both started a war on me no way um so no way quite peaceful aren't they so you, yeah they are yeah but so you I, managed at to the same time against you. they are their their leader is a viking i can't remember which one and at the time that i think it was harold hadrada is the leader of norway in in the game um so they're not so peaceful under harold hadrada um and also they're responding to me and i was a bit of a my cultural victory was going well. I think you'll agree. Yeah, but everything else. It reminds me a lot of the start of World War One, which broadly was as a result of uh, Gavrilo Princip attacking Archduke Franz Ferdinand. It was this country decided they'd take umbrage with that. And then the, that, that country decided they wouldn't like that country. And it was just this whole, like, one by one, the countries all piling on against each other. It was... Uh, yeah, it kind of, it does operate somewhat like that. They're also, which I haven't mentioned, there are city-states. They operate as their own entities altogether. And there are there are more city-states than there are actual civilizations in the game. And you can, you can send people to those city-states to try and influence their behavior and to try and bring them on side with you. So if you nice. start a war or, the, or, or someone starts on you, those city-states can actually either start on you if they, if you're not controlled, controlling them or they can start on the enemy on your behalf um what i'm trying to oh and and the last the the last straw on that is that um while i was waging all these wars i was unaware that china was somewhere on the map like i knew that there was another unknown civilization that i hadn't met yet and it was china and china had had all this time that i was dicking around starting (laughs) wars on people to expand and grow and grow and grow they'd also started a a religion and they 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 from the east which is correct. Uh, they they were sending missionaries and taking over my cities religiously, and then because How I tried insidious. to put, I know. Well, let's not go that that far. Uh, because I tried to put Greece in, into its cultural box, and that had led to war after war after war. It had left China like all this space to take the lead in the religious victory. So then I had to start fighting a religious war with China. So it's like invading china with religious missionaries and trying to take over their cities and how did all this end your endless wars well obviously it ended with a a domination victory by me Ah. unfortunate because i was going for a cultural victory but what i what i'm trying to paint is this the picture of how it changes all of these systems all these yeah all of these systems seem straightforward and a little bit dry but actually what they result in is this dynamic situation that evolves over time Mm. and that you have to respond to as well as plan for so you might plan out that you're going to have a cultural victory but actually the the effect of other people's behaviors will impinge on that and potentially lead you down a different road what actually happened in this game was that i did take the lead culturally but i ended up getting a bit pissed off that everybody hated me so i started to once i got planes i started to bomb them uh to try and make them like me you know absolutely yeah Uh, the bombs the bombs had secret messages on they were like oh please be my friend it didn't work but but the messages couldn't be read because they went up in flames when the bomb was dropped yeah precisely so um and, and that's that's what i like about it i like the fact that you can eat the best laid plans of mice and men after gang of glay and that is this game 
again in a different type of nutshell you can lay down all these plans you can aim for something and the game will go uh, nope none of that we are going this way and you are going to respond and that is going to dictate everything that happens from here on out and um, you can sort of get yourself back on a track but it's it's difficult and challenging and that's your emergent gameplay there because you genuinely felt that china was being led by someone who was actively doing that against you and you felt that norway had taken a slight against you because of what you did against america that was yes yeah, so yeah there are relationships that build up in the in the game between you and and computer players i can only imagine how it is if you've got eight fully fledged human beings mm. on either or on the ends of those civilizations the ai incidentally in this game they have equipped the ai with character traits that they didn't have previously they're called agendas so each ai will respond to the player civilization positively or negatively depending on what they do so greece one of their agendas was about cultural artifacts and if you if you seemed to be pursuing cultural artifacts then Greece would take issue with that they didn't like being challenged as a cultural leader mm -hmm. so they would then get frowny face with you and potentially start a war with you so I don't know how close they were actually to doing that to me but I got in there first China one of their agendas meant that they liked people that had lots of money if you had very large coffers then China would be more inclined to be your friend unfortunately that doesn't override bombing them to high hell they no. still take issue with that of course yeah i had lots of money i had lots of bombs and both cancelled one another out so that's an interesting element mm. of the game as well the the way ai characters actually seem to respond to you based on these agendas so you've said there about playing against the people so is there a multiplayer element to the game yeah a massive one it always has been for civilization 6 you can play this game with i can't even remember how many people can actually play against one another but you will take a civilization on a, on the same map and the turn taking is the same as if you're playing against against the ai so yeah it, it would probably feel if you were playing against strangers it would probably feel it would be a similar experience because they are just a very advanced ai yeah of course um, a human being on the other end of the internet but actually it would probably be a hell of a lot more challenging probably more interesting as well go on and how have you been playing it have you been playing it online or just by yourself i only ever play civilization on my own because i don't have friends <laughs> and i don't know where to find the strangers that will play it with me so and also i think it would be a very short game because i don't actually think i'm very good at this game right i and i think if i was put against anyone that even moderately was moderately good at it i would crumble it doesn't stop me really loving the game and the game whenever i play it i tend not to play it regularly but when i do play it i get sucked in and i play like a did i say 25 hours was that yeah you did we, yeah, I'm going to double check that. The 25 hours was getting from Stone Age to base on Mars. That was sort of one gameplay yeah. cycle. But are you talking about how long you played it in one session or something? No, I mean one game. So I'm just going right. to double check how long I've actually played this game for. Yeah, okay. So it's 25 hours and I did that over three days. So what's that? Eight That's eight hours a day. Something That's basically a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. So when this game takes me, when I, when I get stuck into this game... I get stuck into the game. I I uh, I play a game through from start to finish, and I don't really stop. And I can't really stop. It's it's a uh, it, it just sucks me in, and I live it. And how long would you leave it between times of playing it? So you said you did that twenty five hours over the course of three days at that point. If, if recently, how long would it now be until you next play it? I don't know really. There's no set thing. It's just like oh, I fancy a when the itch scratches you yeah i fancy a quick go of civilization is what i'll say to myself and then three days later oh the game's finishing so <laughs> it's all gone by in a blur that's really how it works it so i've had every single i've had every civilization since civilization 2 and 
before, sort of up to civil, like when we were working together, I it was Civilization Four. That was what was out at the time. I had the complete edition of that, and I would play it on dinners. And I think I played it every every day for an hour or two, depending on whether we were on overtime or whatever. I would play it an hour or two every day for about three weeks. Right. So I don't know what that'd be, but forty or fifty hours. Simple like that. And then I would put it down, play a load of other stuff, and not come back to it for a year or two or something like that. Uh, this is the first time I got Civilization Six on the Epic Game Store when they gave it away for free. I don't know when that was, but this is the first time that I've actually sat down and played a game of it right prior to that it was civilization 5 which i can't remember when that came out but i got it when it came out and i played it then and then i hadn't played it for a while so sometimes it's a few years when it was the first two or three games it was just when they came out i would play it for a prolonged period and then and then it would go back in the cupboard and the next one would come out and i'd play that for a little while as well so you said it's available on pc you got it through the epic game store and it's free what other platforms is it on it's available everywhere it's even available on the nintendo switch right i don't actually know how it is available there because it it requires quite a bit of computational power Mm. not for graphics or anything like that it's to actually work through the turns behind the scenes all the working out and the permutations exactly because there are so many things to compute from turn to turn you actually do need a a fairly beefy well not beefy beefy but you in order for not to not have to wait for five minutes per turn you need a reasonably sound processor otherwise you're going you're going to be waiting for a while Mm. on every turn and turns if you've got a decent processor it'll take some seconds if you've got a slightly less good processor it'll take some minutes right so that can be the difference between a game taking 21 hours and a game taking a heck of a lot longer yeah. but it's worth playing i i also think you know how we've come to these top-down games like two point hospital and city skylines and they've done quite a good job of translating them over to console absolutely i think actually that was that would have been a thing that i would have been concerned about in previous but i would definitely give this a go on console because of what i've seen other studios do in Mm. terms of that translation process i think they probably handle civilization quite well has anything that i said actually made it appeal to you i like the sound of the fact that the the gameplay evolves as you go through and the fact that your empire you change the way you're trying to take over etc as you go through Mm. i quite the sound of that and i also liked the tale you told about your british empire taking on different countries and then the fact the country is understandably have issues with what you're doing and then they turn on you etc i think that sounds really good let me just say i did not play as britain i played as the indian empire oh i play i played as mahatma gandhi which also which i then think gets puts subsumed. a different spin no 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 i played as india and then i did all of that as mahatma gandhi so mahatma gandhi was me throughout the game and then and i waged i waged terrible terrible war as mahatma gandhi and how does that make you feel um I mean, it makes me feel less bad than if I'd done it as the British Empire, because it would be like I was reliving <laughs> yeah. the glory days, wouldn't it? I don't think I'd feel comfortable doing that. Some Incidentally, sort of the leader union flag yeah, exactly, waving. Yeah, in fact, I think there was a, an element of sort of countering that in ch- in choosing India. Mm. And the fact that I like Mahatma Gandhi and the the way that they have drawn him, his model is just a really lovely looking, <laughs> cheerful old man. So I I always get drawn to Mahatma Gandhi. There is a there is a famous tale, slightly apocryphal, if I am to understand correctly, about Mahatma Gandhi. I think in Civ three, whereby he was he was a, supposedly, but not really 
prone to launching massive nuclear strikes on other countries. Now that you've said that, that sounds familiar. I think I might have read about that in a computer games magazine or something once. Probably, but that yeah. That does sound... It was put down to a programming error whereby mm. what uh, a number that was supposed to top out at a certain value, instead of topping out at a certain value, would roll over right to zero again and the zero would be computed by the game in such a way as to make mahatma gandhi's india very prone to launching nuclear strikes which which is interesting and funny but i don't think it's true there's something that tells me that actually it wasn't correct so when we talk about civilization 3 in some other episode i will do the research to check that out and see if it was true Great. I mean, he was quite prone to nuclear strikes when I was when I was in control of him. We did a lot of nuclear strikes. That's just because of the way you were playing the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that had nothing to do with the computer at all. That was me. That was all me. Uh, there are f- a few new elements to Civ, 5, Civ 6 that we haven't covered. Uh, I knew that I wasn't going to cover everything. I've done my best to get um, to get across what's good about the game and how the game works. In terms of what's new to Civ 6, the way that builders work is different. So you used to, in order to make like travel around the map efficient, you used to have to lay down roads. And you had these automated units that you built and then you just turned them on basically and they would move around your civilized your your civilization's land and they would install roads and and various different things that help your civilization these in this game you build a builder and the builder is perishable so he only has three things three actions that he can take and then he will disappear altogether um which adds an element of Mm. uh, strategy even to managing the infrastructure of your cities your cities i've kind of touched on this your cities instead of being a one single hex or square or whatever you want to call it on the game board your cities now can actually sprawl out a little bit or a lot further and you have to think about how you're going to build your cities because you can add these things called districts so you might add a cultural district which i think i explained to you which then allows you to build museums and art galleries and so on and take advantage of those buildings to create more cultural points you can also build like a military district or or a an education district like a campus a university campus that then allows you to create more research points and so on so you can tailor each city depending on what strengths you want it to have so that's new to this game and as well as the tech tree which i did talk to you about because that's been in the series basically from the very beginning they've introduced here a civics tree so a civics tree is all about that cultural side and about the civics the politics element of your civilization as well so depending on what you unlock on the civics tree will dictate how your civilization can move forward in terms of politics so you start off as a fiefdom and you might become a monarchy and then you might become a republic or or a communist dictatorship or something like that and along with those come lots of different policies that you can set that have advantages for your city and are thematic to the sorry civilization and are thematic to the to the political alignment that you've chosen what's a fiefdom just like a little informal kingdom i guess i don't really know no one's asked me that question before no, it's, it's a word i know i know the thieves but i don't i don't know what a fiefdom yeah, is it's like a fee let's have a look I, I think it's like an informal kingdom there is no king sort of like a, an informal all for one one for territory all. or something like that yeah a territory or sphere of operation controlled by a particular person or group so a fiefdom is an informal kingdom really kingdom that's they king. don't necessarily have to have a king like if robin hood was in charge of the forest of nottingham then his fiefdom was the forest of nottingham great i've learned the new tonight as well thank you for that good and are you all right 
most importantly, can you name the city? What city? The city that you build, the districts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can. You can name them all. So what do you call yours? Oh, all of mine were Indian city names. So they auto-populate with a name. Oh, okay. And you can go in and you can override that and call them New Poop City or whatever you would call them. I'm trying to get into your head uh, when I suggest that. <laughs> you so, weren't yeah, far New off, Poop actually, city, what I was thinking. Fartropolis. Ass. Yeah, there you go. Just straight ass. But. But what? <laughs> oh, great. I think that's where we end. I think that's what we end on. A terrible, terrible dad joke. <laughs> So yeah, Civilization Six. do you think, because my real aim with this was to try and get across the game to you and to get you interested a little bit. Do you think you would be interested in playing this game? My interest has certainly been piqued from my preconception at the start of the episode. I think it's something I would like to try first, just to make sure I've really truly got the measure of it. Yeah, I'm going to say that as a caveat, but I am definitely more receptive to it now to know more about it. I thought it was, like I said, something to do with risk, which I don't like, so I wasn't really keen on the idea, but you've done a pretty good job of selling it to me, so well done. Brilliant, good. There is a game that's available called Lux, L-U-X. That is Risk. That is a digital version of Risk. But you won't want that. Some other people Hell might want that. no. It's so much deeper than Risk Civilization. It's like, what what I will say is if anyone is play, has been playing Civilization for a long time and is very well versed with Civilization, the next step is grand strategy games. And the big purveyor of grand strategy games is Paradox Interactive which I seem to think that we've mentioned. I think they did City Skyline. Yeah, that we talked about them during City Skyline. Yeah, they do other games. Like, there's a game called Europa Universalis, which is like... Yeah, we talked about that. It's like... Yeah, so it, that is like civilization, but taken to the next step where you've got all these tiny little nuanced intricacies of diplomacy that you have to manage that you don't have with civilization. So civilization is basically like a gate, well, gateway drug for these grand strategy games. And they are really meaty and really interesting and suck you in in exactly the same way, if not even if not harder. Brilliant. Thank you for listening. Yep. And we'll see you again next week for another episode. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.